You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Chen. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. Numbers chapter 9, we are going to read the first 12 verses of this chapter. I ask that you follow along with me. Uh, Church members, if you see anybody who does not have a Bible, would you share with them? I would love for everybody to be able to see God's Word as we read it. Numbers chapter 9, verse 1 through 12. Let's begin reading, And the Lord spake unto Moses in the wilderness of Sinai in the first month, of the second year after they were come out of the land of Egypt, saying, Let the children of Israel also keep the Passover at his appointed season. In the fourteenth day of this month at even ye shall keep it in his appointed season. According to all the rites of it and according to all the ceremonies thereof shall ye keep it. Let me stop here. The Bible says appointed, not suggested. Appointed is a command. Appointed is an obligation. Appointed is not a matter of choice. His appointed season. Let's look here in verse, uh, where are we at? Verse 4. And Moses spake unto the children of Israel that they should keep the Passover. And they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the first month at even in the wilderness of Sinai. According to all that the Lord commanded Moses, so did the children of Israel. And there were certain men who were defiled by the dead body of a man that they could not keep the Passover on that day. And they came before Moses and before Aaron on that day. And those men said unto him, We are defiled by the dead body of a man. Wherefore are we kept back that we may not offer an offering of the Lord in his appointed season among the children of Israel? And Moses said unto them, Stand still. And I will hear what the Lord will command concerning you. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, If any man of you or of your posterity shall be unclean by reason of a dead body or be in a journey afar off, yet he shall keep the Passover unto the Lord. The fourteenth day of the second month at even shall they keep it, or they shall keep it, and eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs." They shall leave none of it unto the morning, nor break any bone of it, according to all the ordinances of the Passover. They shall keep it. Lord, please bless the reading of your word and help me preach this morning. Amen. So I'm sure some are wondering what this passage has to do with Mother's Day. It doesn't. Instead of preaching about mothers today, I'm going to preach a message that I believe every mother would want their child to hear. Deep down in the heart of every mother is one great hope. She wants what's best for you. Maybe she reminds you of this often. Maybe she's not the best at expressing this. Maybe she understands what I'm about to say. Maybe Maybe she doesn't. Maybe she's blind to it. But what is best for you is to hear and obey this book. What is best for you is to serve the Lord with your life. To be more like Jesus Christ is what is best for you. So I have three questions to ask before we go any further. Is it your desire? Is it your desire 
to obey this book? Is it your desire to grow closer to God today than you were yesterday? Is it your desire to be more like Jesus? Now hold up. Don't agree to anything just yet. If our answers to those questions were yes, then those desires must come out in our actions or we're lying. We can go to our grave saying that we want to obey this book all the while while obeying our own will. We can tell everyone around us that we desire to be more like Christ all the while seeking to blend in with the world. We can spend our whole life saying that we desire to serve God all the while serving ourselves with the decisions that we make. For all of the people that say that they have a godly desire, the ones that actually show that desire through their actions are certainly in the minority. And contrary to popular belief, it is not the thought that counts. Gentlemen, we have sometimes learned this the hard way especially on special days like today, I dare you to go up to your wife or your precious mother and say, I didn't get you anything today, but I really thought about it. I really desired to do that. It doesn't work. True love, true desire always manifests itself. It always leads to action. I'm not a marriage guru, but... I do know this, if you spend your entire marriage only telling your spouse that you love them, only telling them that you desire to care for them, but you never show it or you never prove it through your actions, the day is going to come eventually when your love is questioned and your desire is doubted. So I am calling everybody here this morning, including myself, to examine our hearts. We are not going to examine what we say, we're not even going to examine what we desire. We are going to examine what we do because here is the undeniable fact about desires. True desire will always result in action. And by that logic, we must also agree if there is no action, then there was no true desire. The application being this, we can say that we desire to serve God, to grow closer to him, to be more like Christ, but if we never do anything about it, that desire is incomplete. And while men may look at us and give us the benefit of the doubt when we say one thing but then do something else, God sees our hearts. And he says in his word, there are people that draw nigh to me with their lips, but their heart is Far, far from me. God says, if ye love me, keep my commandments. If ye love me, keep my commandments. Three times, Peter, lovest thou me? Yea, Lord, you know that I love you. Then prove it, Peter. Feed my sheep. If ye love me, keep my commandments. True desire brings action. Christian, I could tell you story after story after story in the Bible where people said one thing, but then their actions said something completely different. 
And in many of those cases, they had the people around them fooled, but they never fooled God, and their actions always showed what their true desires were. So let me preface this message by saying this. I love you all, probably more than you know. Now, there are guests and visitors here that I've never really met before. I, I don't even know some of your names, but I, I can't describe it to you. There's something about being a pastor that everybody who comes in to a church, you love them and you care for them and you want for them to grow closer to the Lord. You want for them to serve the Lord. It is my responsibility to watch for your souls, even if it is just this one message. For all I know, this may be the last message that you hear from God's word. It is my responsibility to watch for your soul and to prepare you to meet God and because I love you, I want to fulfill that responsibility. Amen. I'm not called here to be your friend. I'm called here to be your pastor. Now, that is not saying I do not wish to be your friend. I call many of you here my friend. And I want you to know you can get as close to me as you, as you wish. I want to be close to you. I want to get to know you. I want to be able to take care of you. However, with that said, if I neglect to preach God's word, if I fail to prepare us to meet God, if I fail to warn about a danger that I see, I'm not your friend, and I am certainly not your pastor. So using this story that we just read in Numbers chapter 9, I want to call our attention to, to four elements of this story. And the fourth and final element of this story is what I'm going to call the danger. And it is a danger that faced these people back then in Numbers chapter 9, and it is a danger that faces us today, not just in America, not just in Christianity as a whole, but in this church as well. And I'm praying that if you see this danger threatening your heart and your life, that we would pray that the Lord would change our heart. So first of all, I want to show you the dilemma. All of, the, all of my points have, are, start with D. So first, the dilemma. The Passover was a feast uh, that was held every year, okay? Uh, it happened only once a year for the nation of Israel, and it was by far the most important date on their calendar. And it always landed on the 14th day of the first month. That was the, what does the Bible call it? The appointed, the appointed time, right? It was a day of remembrance of how the Lord brought them out of Egypt, how the uh, Passover lamb was slain and the blood was put on the doorpost and the death angel passed over them when he saw the blood. It was a time of remembrance. It was a time of worship. It was a time of love and service, thankfulness to God. Now, every day was a day for that, but this was a special day. So what is probably one of the most important days in our calendar in this time? Christmas right? Everybody loves Christmas, and it's a special day where we give to each other, and we show our love to each other, and we remember the year. We should do that every day, right? We should give to people every day and love people every day. We shouldn't just wait for December 25th, but it's a special day. It's a special day when we do that. So as this day approached, there were certain men that the Bible says were defiled by the dead body of a man. Now, without going into too much detail, Here's what we have to remember in order to understand what's going on here. First of all, God is holy, okay? 
And when the Bible says that God is holy, it means that he is completely separate from sin. He is completely separate from the results of sin, which is death. The wages of sin is death. So God is holy. He, he has nothing to do with that. He's completely separate. Therefore, in order to worship and serve a holy God, you must also be holy. You must also be separate from sin and separate from death. And if you want to know, well, how can sinners be separate from sin and death? It's a really long story. Read Leviticus and read Deuteronomy and Numbers and then all of the Gospels. Uh, and that will be your answer, okay? There, the sin has to be dealt with, okay? So here's another thing to remember. A person could become unclean or defiled. So the, the Bible called the state of being able to enter into God's presence, they, they referred to that, the Bible referred to that state as being clean or being holy or being pure. So people could become unclean, they could become unholy, they could become impure or defiled in different ways. And one of those ways was coming into contact with a dead person which is what happened to these men, okay? So these certain men had come into contact with a dead body within the last seven days. We know that because you became unclean, you were impure or defiled by touching a dead body for seven days. So Passover came, they had recently touched a dead body, so they were unable to participate in the Passover. Now let's ask ourselves this question. And don't trick yourself, it's, it's a simple question, I'm not trying to trick you. Is there anything sinful about touching a dead body in and of itself? No. And in fact, that's a part of everyday life, right? People, people die. When a person dies, somebody has to prepare the body. Someone has to wrap the body. Somebody has to bury the body. You can't do that without touching the body. It's not like they have these special tools to keep a six-foot distance. We're learning now. It's, it's six feet. It's incredibly important. Five feet, 11 inches? No. Don't you dare, six feet or more. So she took that too seriously. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so it just so happened that these men had to do something with a dead body. They therefore became unclean during the Passover. So herein lies the dilemma. You have a group of men who, by no fault of their own, by no fault of their own, were held back from attending. They were held back from worshiping. They were held back from serving God at the Passover feast. Well, that's too bad. There's always next year, says the Cubs fan, right? There's always next year for the Passover. You can just wait. Now, maybe that would have been some people's reaction, but not these men. No, 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 not at all. Can you picture with me, maybe as they're doing this and they're talking about the Passover and maybe it didn't even cross their mind until somebody said, wait a second, this means we're unclean. Does that mean we can't, does this mean we can't be a part of Passover? And maybe they look, oh man, that would really not be good. We want to be a part of Passover. And sure enough, the day comes and no. No, they're not able to be a part of it. So yeah, there's going to be a Passover next year, but no, next year, no. No, no, no. We can't wait that long. We, we, we need to do something about this. We need to figure something out. And this leads to number two. As they go to Moses and they plead before him, number two, do you see their desire? 
Do you see their desire to be a part of this? Moses, we're defiled by the dead body of a man. We didn't choose to become unclean. Somebody had, let's just say it was burying a body. Somebody had to bury the body and it just so happened to be us. Does this mean that we can't offer an offering to the Lord on this appointed day? Is that what this means? Look in verse 7. Wherefore are we kept back? That we may not offer an offering of the Lord in his appointed season among the children of Israel. Moses, is there anything? Is there anything we can do? There, there must be something we could do. The thought of missing this day, we, it, it's eating us up. Ladies and gentlemen, that is what true, that is what true desire looks like. Now, don't make a mistake of saying, well, no wonder they want to be a part of Passover. It sounds like a big party. Of course, who wouldn't want to be a part of a big feast? Tell a teenager on this front row, no Thanksgiving this year. <laughs> Mutiny. That's not what it was. The Passover was a time of sacrifice, a time of giving to God, not a time of increase in getting from God. It was a lot easier to miss the Passover than it was to be a part of the Passover. It was a lot more affordable to miss the Passover than to be a part of the Passover. But their desire was so strong, so deep, so true, they did everything they could to find a way to be a part. They didn't just say, well, we'll wait till next year. They didn't just say, we want to be a part of it. They did something about it. Their desire led to action. Now think about this with me. The nation of Israel at this point is anywhere between two to three million people. That being said, okay, we just, if you have a whim to talk to the president, good luck. It's not like, we're, oh, I just need to talk to the president, so I'm going to go in and talk to the president. Okay, it wasn't like these men, we need to talk to Moses, let's go. Moses, no, 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 no. Okay, the Bible says in Exodus chapter 18 that people wanted to speak to Moses the moment the sun rose to the moment the sun set. They were constantly there to talk to him. Everybody wanted to talk to Moses. There were problems. That happens with two to three million people. That happens with two to three people. <laughs> Especially if it's men and women. It doesn't matter. There's going to be a, 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 a wow, I opened up a can there, didn't I? Let's move on. <laughs> it even got to the point where the Bible says Moses had to, set, to assign rulers Rulers over tens, rulers over fifties, rulers over hundreds, rulers over thousands. So when you had an issue, you had the, the ten ruler. And you went up to him, I have this issue. And if he couldn't solve it, okay, let's go to the fifty ruler. I don't know about that. Let's go to the hundred ruler. Uh, not sure. Let's go to the thousand ruler. And if, they, if he couldn't do it, let's go to Moses. So these men had to get through ten 50, 100, and 1,000 in order to get to Moses. It wasn't just like, let's talk to Moses. No, their desire was so strong, so real, so true, they stopped at nothing. No, 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 no. We need to talk to Moses because they knew if we can talk to Moses, Moses can speak on our behalf to God. And that's exactly what happens. Look in verse 8. Moses says, stand still. I will hear what the Lord will command concerning you. So number three, we have the decision what is God's decision throughout all of this? Well, God's decision was to give special provision for them to be a part of the Passover. Look in verse 10. 
Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, If any man of you or of your posterity shall be unclean by reason of a dead body, or be in a journey afar off. You're not around the nation of Israel on the 14th day of the first month. Obviously, you're not going to partake in Passover. You need to be here among the, temp, uh, among the tabernacle where God's presence is. You can't just have a, a Passover on the go. Okay? So, but if, if you find yourself defiled by reason of a dead body or you're out of town, here is what is going to happen. Yet he shall keep the Passover unto the Lord the 14th day of the second month at even. So a month later, there will be an auxiliary Passover, a little Passover, and those who were by no fault of their own unable to participate in the main Passover, you have an opportunity to participate a month later in that Passover. That was God's provision. Do you know why God allowed this? Because for every drop of desire that you have to serve the Lord, he has an ocean for you to do the same. When you desire to read your Bible, God has a greater desire for you to read your Bible. He wants to speak to you. When you have a desire to go to church, he has a greater desire for you to go to church. When you have a desire to, uh, to be faithful in church, Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, he has a greater desire for that. I've heard some people, why do we meet so often? It used to be daily. I kind of miss those days. I, I'd, I'd preach daily. That's fine. I don't know what I'd preach, but I'd, I'd preach it. I'd find something. My wife would have to work overtime writing my message. When you desire to tithe, God has a greater desire for you to tithe. Not because he needs your money, but because he says, he says, prove me now. Prove me now herewith. I will open up the windows of heaven unto you. I want to bless you. So when, we, when you have that, I, I, I really think I should start doing that. God says, good, good desire, yes, absolutely. Think of any of the areas. When you desire to pray, God desires it more. When you desire just to do right, God desires it more. And that's why at the foot of Mount Sinai, when uh, God says, I want to enter into a covenant with you and I want you to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. When the people came back and said, Moses, tell God whatever he says we will do. That's what we desire to do. That's what we want to do. God comes back and tells Moses, oh, that there were such an heart in them that they would desire that always, that it may be well with them and their children. God has a great, when you look back at him, you, you name it. When a person desires to serve God, God always looks down and says, I, I want that too. I want that too. Look throughout scripture today. Wherever we see an obstacle to serving God, wherever we see a complication to worshiping God, man put it there. God did not put it there. God has always gone out of his way to make it easy for us to fellowship with him, to, to serve him, to worship him. God so desires for you to be close to him, for you to serve him, for you to worship him, for you to obey him, that sending his own son to die for you was not small enough of a price. If that's what it takes, do it. And by the way, that was his plan from before the world began. If you're here this morning and you do not know for sure that Jesus is your Savior, that was God's plan before the world began. 
He knew that sin was going to separate you from him. And ever since the garden, when Adam and Eve made that decision and sin came in between, God has been orchestrating time and events all the way leading up to this day to bring us back to him. Look at what we lost in Genesis chapter 3 and look at what God gives us back in Revelation chapter 22. The culmination of it all. No more curse. The tree of life. The nations brought back together with God on the throne, with the lamb on the throne, and God's people serving him and reigning along with him. He has gone above and beyond. The Bible says, But as many as received him to them gave he power to become the acquaintances. The sons the sons of God, family. When God saw these men that truly desired to worship and serve him, but they couldn't, he opened the door for them to be a part. He granted their desire in verse 10 through 12. But then he continues in verse 13, and this is what I talked about at the beginning. He continues in verse 13 with the danger. But the man that is clean and is not in a journey, and forbeareth to keep the Passover, even the same soul shall be cut off from among his people. Because he brought not the offering of the Lord in his appointed season, that man shall bear his sin. Do we catch what's happening here? God says, I'm opening up a provision, but this is going to bring a danger that somebody on the 14th day of the first month thinks, Oh, well, wait a second. If we miss today, we can just do it next month. There are men in this passage who would have loved to be a part, but they couldn't. So God not only deals with them, he also addresses those who could be a part, but wouldn't. And here's the the key part right here. There are people in this world today who would give anything to worship and to serve God in a greater way, but they just can't. They would give anything to be, it's, it's no fault of their own because of the situation that they're in. They would love to attend a church like this, but they can't because it's illegal in their country. They would love to be in a choir, but maybe there's nobody in their church who knows how to assemble a choir or lead a choir. They have a great desire to go soul winning, but their health or their age won't allow it. They have a great desire to sing, but they just can't. I would never embarrass him, but I'm going to use him as an example. Brother Loveday, Brother Loveday, you sit back there and you stand up, and Brother Loveday has a pulmonary issue. That means lungs. lungs. Brother Loveday, you can't sing the way you used to. And I see him back there sometimes struggling to sing. And none of them are here today, but sometimes I've seen teenagers up here in the prime of their health not opening their mouth to sing. We have kids every week that desire more than anything to be in church, but it weren't for the bus to go and pick them up. They would have no way of getting here. They have such a great desire to be a part of a church or to serve the Lord, to worship the Lord in some greater way, but because of their family, because of their location, because of their age, their health, they just can't. And even though they run into obstacle after obstacle, they don't stop until they find a way to be a part. 
But then there are those who can worship and who can serve and who can be faithful and who can give and can sing and can witness but won't. I spoke to a lovely lady yesterday and she says, Pastor, I so want to be there today. It eats me up not being there, but I just can't. I have a health history. I, 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 I just can't do it. But please know that my heart is there. And I told her, I said, that's what the live stream is, that's what that ministry is for so that you can still be a part. We have people right now watching on live stream faithfully who just cannot be here. But we have people watching on live stream right now who could be here. And as long as there are those in this world who would give anything just to be a part of something special for God, but they can't. How dare those who can be a part choose not to be a part. So Christians, may God write these truths on our hearts every time we stay home when we can be here. Every time we withhold when we can give. Every time we stay silent when we can sing. Every time we bite our tongue when we can witness, God never misses it. And there are thousands upon thousands of people that would give anything to be in our position and they would not take it for granted. And therein lies the danger. We can have it so good that we take serving and worshiping God and obeying his word for granted. There are people who last night walked overnight through the jungle to be in church this morning. Now here's why I'm preaching this message today. Over this past month, we have had just a little taste of what it felt like to desire to meet at church, to desire to fellowship, to desire to sing, to desire to go soul winning, and through no fault of our own, we just couldn't. And let's be honest, we were reminded how much we need this. So now that God has provided a way for us to be here again, to come back again, to serve him in a greater way, don't forget the lesson that we have learned. Don't take it for granted. Many of the Christians who are appalled that the government would look at a church and say, you are not essential, are the same Christians that have declared church non-essential a long time ago through their decisions. I am not surprised by a worldly government telling us you can't obey the Bible. You can't meet. You can't do that. I am not surprised by that. I am surprised by Christians who can do those things but won't. I'm more than surprised, I'm worried, I'm praying, I'm pleading with you to understand that when we can do something for God, we must 
do something for God. We must do more than just talk about it. We must do more than just have a desire to do it. And it all goes back to what we agreed on at the beginning. True desire always leads to action. We will do what we desire to do. Do we desire to serve him and worship him? Then serve and worship him. Choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell or the God of your fathers. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But make your choice. How long halt ye between two opinions? If God be God, then serve him. If Baal be God, if the world is, is your God, then serve that. I would rather you be cold than lukewarm. Do we truly desire to be faithful in church? Then be faithful. Do we truly desire to read our Bibles and pray? Then, we, then read and pray. If we are not doing those things, my question is, who's stopping us? It's not God. Christian, is it us? That's always been the danger. To fail to see that what we can do for God, we must do for God. I understand there will be times when you truly can't. And God, God addresses that. There were times in college where I worked. I was never able to come Wednesday night. But I hated it. I hated missing. There's times when you truly can't. Your schedule gets in the way. You don't have transportation. You need to take care of your family. You're exhausted. You're located, whatever it is. But here's the thing, when's the last time, when's the last time, like these men, you went up to God and said, God, is there anything, is there anything we can do to change the situation? Lord, I just got a new schedule from work, and they're, they're wanting me to work every Wednesday and once a month on Sunday. Lord, is there anything we can do about that? Do we think he won't? Do we think he can't? Romans 8, 32 says, he gave you his son. If he gave you his son, what more could he give? What would he hold back? Here's my whole message. God sees when we would, but we can't. He sees that. But he also sees when we can, but we won't. He sees when we say we would, but we're lying. And he sees when we say we can't, but we really could. He sees all of that. And one day we will all stand before God. And we will give an account for how we live this life. And when God looks back on our life and he sees all the things that we could have done, but we didn't, he's going to wonder why. He's going to ask why. And every excuse Every reason that we have is just not going to hold up because God in his infinite wisdom would be able to name hundreds of thousands of people who would have given anything to be in your position, to give anything to be in the position that we have here at Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, in the United States of America. They would have given anything to be here, to have had the opportunities that we have to serve and worship him, but they just couldn't. So if we're here this morning and there's an area of, of your life where this message applies to you, God wants you to get it right. He wants you to serve him.
He wants you to love him. He wants you to obey him and trust him. Do you? Do you desire that? Then show him. Then show him. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.